Do you do a high-impact sporter activity? Are you in the market for a new mouth guard? Well, you've come to the right place. I want you to head on over to SISUGuard.com and check out the amazing mouth guards by Sisu Mouth Guards. Sisu makes the thinnest, most lightweight, and durable mouth guard ever invented. You can talk, you can breathe, you can drink. All with the mouth guard up in your mouth. Head on over to SISUGuard.com. You're going to like the way we mouth guard. I guarantee it. Sisu, it's what's for dinner. And Sisu brings you episode 63 of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. And it starts right now. We are rolling. I tried to make that intro as long as I possibly could, and we're finally here. I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and this is Top Turtle MMA Podcast, part of the Sports Daily Network on MMA-Manifesto.com, our mothership. You can catch us there. Also, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes. Did I miss anything? I think you got the major ones. All right, fair. So, Gumby, one of the things we always hear about our show from our fans is that we just get right into it. We don't talk about other BS, horseplay, hootenanny, lollygagging about other bullshit that no one cares about. You came to an MMA show. We're going to give you some MMA. So let's talk about the fact that Jimmy Manoa has some crazy power, knocked out Corey Anderson in the first round of the main event of Fight Night London on on Saturday. Yeah, when you saw that punch land, did you think it landed flush? I did. Did you not? I, I thought when when he first went down, I thought Corey Anderson definitely was at least moderately conscious as he was falling because his eyes looked like he was. It looked like the blow might have landed a little bit towards the back of his head. And then for him to land so damn hard, you just had to be like, damn, Manoa has got some bombs on him. Manoa has some bombs on him, and I gotta say, I've been very shy to pull the trigger on my uh, Manoa love, because in theory, I love Jimmy Manoa. I think his striking is topsy-tops in the division. Of course, we've seen Rumble Johnson knock him out, but, you know, hey, Rumble Johnson, that's what he does. Yeah, he could knock out a building. Uh, but is it now come to the point where Jimmy Manoa's uh, takedown defense and overall assimilation into mixed martial arts as a whole has come to a point, has the rubber met the road, where we're now seeing the best MMA version of Jimmy Manoa? I think so. That takedown defense is pretty damn impressive, and Corey Anderson is no joke when it comes to takedowns. I think he's made huge strides in that. It'll be interesting to see, you know, obviously Dan Cormier or or Rubble Johnson are a whole different game. If one of those two guys tries to drag you to the ground, uh, you you know, they're far, far above where Corey Anderson is. But, But I think that we do see the best version of him right now. I mean... I can't imagine him looking any better than he did this weekend. Well, okay, let me just pose the question to you right now. Right now, if Jimmy Manoa had to step in next month, and he probably could, fresh as a daisy, yeah, UFC 210, could Jimmy Manoa beat either of Rumble Johnson or DC? I I think that he probably would have a shot with Rumble Johnson, just because Rumble Johnson's way of beating somebody anyway is power puncher. And right now... Jimmy Manoa's power is on par or getting close to Rumble Johnson power. I mean, he's throwing bombs and and one-touch knockout powering people. With Cormier, I still worry about his takedown defense. Don't get me wrong, it's much better. 
I wouldn't give very many people not named John Jones even a shot against Cormier. Well, uh, the other thing to mention is that while Manoa said he wouldn't want to fight John Jones in his comeback fight this July because he's a steroid cheater or whatever he said about him, uh, what would you think of a Manoa versus John Jones fight? Didn't that already just happen? Manoa and John Jones? No. John Jones fought oh, John OSP. Jones fought OSP. My, my bad. Uh, yeah, no, I, I would watch him fight John Jones. Um Again, it's, for me, I would just worry about the takedown defense if that's where John Jones chose to go with it. If John Jones st- stood and traded with him, I- I'd give him a shot to knock him out, just like I would Rumble Johnson. If Rumble Johnson fought John Jones, you'd give him a shot. I, I liken Jimmy Manawa's game right now to a Rumble Johnson. Is his takedown defense great? Not really. They could probably stop Ryan Bader, which uh, Rumble proved he could do, and maybe Manawa could do that now. Uh, but I don't, I don't know that I'd trust anybody against john jones or cormier except for john jones and cormier well let's pause talking about ufc london you brought up a name you said ryan bader and uh he just signed with bellator what was your thoughts on that i mean it's it's almost sort of expected i mean obviously we had heard about it for a while but he's one of those guys who i I don't think he was ever going to be a ufc champ it just seemed like he was this close to a title shot so many times and I mean, he's not top five material, right? Would you give him a shot against DC Cormier? Uh, Would you give him a shot against Rumble Johnson? Would you give him a shot against Bones Jones? Would you give him a shot against Manoa? I mean, those four right there. I mean, maybe he's number five. Yeah, uh, right. I mean, I I never thought of him as a future champion. Rumble beat him. I wouldn't give him a shot against Jones or Cormier. And I think we were talking about this off air. I have to say, while Bellator improved their light heavyweight division by adding Bader, and he's not a needle mover. He's not going to pop a big rating on a Friday night. But it certainly improved the depth of that light heavyweight division. Liam McGeary, Phil Davis now, Ryan Bader. Uh, you know, the UFC still has their top three rumble DC and Jones is like all time legendary light heavyweights. You're talking about you know, Jones and Cormier are future hall of famers and DC is, er, sorry. Uh, yeah, Jones, Jones and Cormier, and Cormier right, and, right. And, and uh, Rumble is a potential Hall of Famer just based on the crazy knockout power he's yeah, had. Absolutely. I don't know if he'll become champion or not, but um, you know, Bellator cannot hold a candle to any of those three. Yeah, but if you cut those three off the top of the UFC heavyweight division, say they didn't exist or all three of them popped for mm-hmm. steroids or something, very similar. The the two divisions are 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 pretty deep, you know, comparable at the top. After those three. Yeah. You know, Unless we, Misha Serkinov turns into like the next the next coming well, of which, Jesus. Which, which he might be. I mean, like, he, he is a legit threat at that division. I'd love to see him take a step up in competition. We did see that he's fighting uh Vulcan Ozdemir, but which I don't think is all that much of a step up from some of his previous competition. But it'll be interesting to see how he rounds up. But but that's the type of person you're putting up against, you know, Liam McGeary. If, if you're chopping those three off the top of the division and comparing top versus top, he is the UFC's Liam McGeary. Yeah. Well, while on the subject of Bellator, their welterweight division certainly got uh, more depth because they also signed Lorenz Larkin. Yeah. And, and he, again, one of those guys, probably never going to be champion, but he's going to make a bunch of money in the UFC. So it makes sense for the UFC to let him go, I think. And he's not a needle mover either, right? Like, when was the last time you were like, damn, Lorenz Larkin's fighting? Well, as an MMA nerd, I was always, I, I think we were always excited yeah, when I mean, Lorenz I, Larkin I, would I fight. I always wanted to see his fight, but I never, like, was like, damn, I, I can't go out this weekend because I have to stay in and watch Lorenz Larkin. You know, like, I, I like his fights. I'm excited for his fights when they're on. But, like, yeah, I, I'm not sure that I'm, like, tuning in specifically to see him. 
uh, like I would with some other guys in that division. Well, you know, he's he's 30, so say what you will about age 30 in MMA, probably the wrong side of 30, because he's only going to get older from here on out. But he's on a two-fight win streak, lost a split decision to Albert Tumanoff three fights ago, so two and one in his last three, but wins over Jorge Masvidal, who, with a win over Damian Maia, could be Might fighting be for the title. title, and a win over Neil Magny, um... Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a little sad that UFC let him go. This was someone I think I would have wanted to keep in the division, but you know, we've seen this now under the William Morris and Endeavors era that they're going to let people go that aren't, you know, that top 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 upper echelon of of the divisions. Yeah, they're going to make room for younger guys to come in and see if they're top top. And when they're not top top, they're just going to move on. And, and you know what? As much as I don't like it because I do lose guys like like Lorenz Larkin and Ryan Bader, who I both liked to watch, it, it makes business sense for them, right? Because they're, they're bringing in guys who are cheaper and might be future champs and getting rid of guys who are pretty sure are not going to be future champs and more expensive. So from a business standpoint, probably smart on their part. It's annoying. Yeah, I agree with that business standpoint. Annoying. It's annoying, annoying because then you get the guy in the bar who's like a massive Bellator fan who tells me that the UFC doesn't have all the best fighters, and I hate having those conversations where... They, they have the best fighter in every division. Let's just be clear about that. There, there's no division sure. where I say to myself, the Bellator champ, is better than the UFC champ. Sure, but the problem now is that you might have run into a scenario where uh, Tyron Woodley is the champion. Rory McDonald it has a win over Tyron Woodley, and he's in Bellator, and he's young, and he should have stayed in the UFC. Lorenz, and if Jorge Masvidal challenges for the title, guess what? Lorenz Larkin has a win over him. That's the annoyingness of it to me. Yeah, I agree with that, and I will say Rory McDonald is probably... That's the worst scenario. He, that's the worst, because Rory McDonald is a... A fucking beast. Although, what would the nose breaks and the two-fight losing streak, again, to top guys, the Robbie Lawler war, and then to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, you know what? The UFC might prove that they knew something that we all didn't. If Rory, you know, maybe that was a turning point in Rory's career that he never comes back from, too. Nose breaks and mind breaks at the same time? Yeah. Yeah, it it could be. You know, he definitely looked like a different fighter against Wonderboy. Well, speaking of Bellator, we might be hating on them a little bit, uh, but they just keep making news. Breaking news, Chael Sonnen versus Vanderlei Silva to headline oh. a Bellator. Hold on, wait for it, because I have three... going to say pay-per-view, I have I'm two puke. words, three initials, pay-per-view, MSG in June. Your thoughts? Ah, uh, that sounds awful. Uh, I'm not even a little interested in that, I don't think. That headlines... That that just broke, by the way. I, I'm reacting to this for the first time. You're getting the authentic Gumby Vreeland feeling on this. That sounds terrible. They better have some damn good fights to back that up. Because those are two dudes who are just not anywhere close to where they used to be. No, I agree. I mean, Vanderlei at this point does absolutely nothing for me, short of, you tell me, and I'm sure he is, on every... TRT, uh, steroid, possibly. Doesn't, doesn't New York test pretty heavily, though? Yeah, but not like the way USADA not, does. Not USADA they'll tested, have the but... they'll have the day before and day day of testing. So, so he'll pop after we found out he got pro- the shit kicked out of him by Shale Sonnen. Probably. And by shit kicked out of, I mean, like, dry humped for, for five rounds. Yeah, I'm not even that excited about Shale fighting. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I'm not. That's not anything I would ever pay for. No. God, no. Uh, does There's no other 
fights on that card? Well, not yet. I mean, they just announced this as the headliner. That's brutal. I mean, they certainly, they must have their metrics that Shale and his million downloaded podcasts per week and Twitter feed. He could sell it. Could sell it, but, you know, I can't. You know what? That that pay-per-view might sell if they're not selling it UFC pay-per-view numbers, though. (sighs) What what if it was, all right, so so let's say a theoretical year. Say it was 20 bucks. It's not going to be 20, but yes. But, but say it was 20 bucks. Sure. You'd throw down 20 bucks to watch that. Sure, fine. But yeah. it's not going to be 20. It'll probably be 49 because the cable company uh, gets 50%. And, uh, you know, buying that if, thing, right. I mean, what are they aiming for? Maybe Mighty Mouse numbers, 150,000. Could it do Holly Home, Jermaine Durandamy, 200,000? Maybe. Maybe with Shale, but uh, I'm not buying. I mean, no, I would no, not watch I, that. I think this is more of a publicity move to get into the pay-per-view world. Let's go back to UFC Fight Night because right, yeah, uh, that was depressing. Um, I can't believe you just dropped that on me. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about uh, Brad Pickett. He went out on his sword. He was up on two scorecards, winnings round, winning round one and two. Only had to survive another minute, but a uh, late head kick from Cheeto Rivera and uh, and some might say an early stoppage. I think it was fine. I, I he wasn't think the stoppage de- yeah, justified. Wasn't defending himself at all. Hands nowhere near a space to defend himself. What did you make of his ending of him ending his career in that way? That was the closest I've ever been to watching a post fight interview and crying because I felt so bad for Brad Pickett. Um, that being said, I, I was impressed with Cheeto Vera. I think Cheeto Vera uh, looked really, really good at Bantamweight, despite the fact he got worked for a couple of rounds. He's got really good power, and he had his moments in the earlier rounds, too. Um, but Brad Pickett should be remembered as like one of the greats in that division before that division was in the UFC. I mean, people forget that this is a guy who beat Mighty Mouse Johnson. I mean, this guy beat the best 125er in the world at 35. And people are begging for him to move back up to 35 all the time. Pickett beat him there. So, like, I mean, this is a guy who was at the top of his game before the spotlight was really on his weight. So you got to give him props. He's a legend of the sport at 35. Uh, and I mean, he's like one of the biggest names in British MMA history. Yeah. Uh, you know, I felt bad for him, but I love the way Dan Hardy kind of framed it where he said, you know, it, it wasn't about tonight uh, and the outcome. Obviously, that's not what Brad Pickett wanted to hear. But for the fans just to kind of celebrate his career and he kind of went out like he went in like a warrior and someone who, you know, stood and traded. And like he said, the younger him probably would have ate that kick. And that's why he's retiring. You know, this is this is why people retire. That all being said, um, I got to be honest with you, not being like a massive day in, day out Brad Pickett fan. And I always want the hometown crowd to go home happy. Like when Gus lost in uh, Sweden, it was sad. that was sad. Was and I didn't like that shit. at all. But that all being said, I kind of fucking love this. It just shows you that MMA is the goddamn cruelest sport in oh, the history it, of the fucking it, world. It, it is. It, he like missing out on the fairy tale ending is it's just so fitting for MMA. Yeah. Um, now, before we get to the co-main, uh, which I want to talk about in depth, did you like any other performance on the night of a night full of decisions? Yeah, there there were two I really liked. Uh, I thought Arnold Allen looked stellar fighting Makwan Amirakani. He beat him by split decision. Yeah, I, I didn't think split decision. I thought clearly Allen won two rounds. 
Um, and the best part was how well he scrambled against such a noted grappler in Mirakani. Uh, I think Arnold Allen at 22 or 23 years old has got a very bright future. The other one, if you didn't watch Mark Diacasey with his knockout victory, took him 30 seconds to knock a dude out cold. Uh, Timu Pikalan. Yeah, he knocked out Timu Pakalan, who who is... You know, a tough guy, probably not, uh, you know, a future world beater or anything like that. But Mark Diacasey put lightweight on notice with that knockout. Speaking of fun names, I, I was remiss not to mention that I love the name Cheeto Vera, the nickname Cheeto and then Vera. Yeah. It sounds like a bad guy from a 1980s Stallone action flick. Marlon doesn't work so well. Marlon no, Vera. But yeah, that's like, che- kinda, but but like Cheeto Vera. Cheeto Vera <laughs> down at the, yeah, just down at the docks running shit. <laughs> All right. Uh, the main, the co-main event was a welterweight showdown, and you had Gunnar Nelson defeating Alan Joban with strikes. Uh, no, he got the he got the sub. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> His striking was on point. It was like a jab that rocked him, and then he got a very quick guillotine choke for the win. Yeah, I, I, it's so funny to me that he that goes down as a submission win because he could have just thrown like three strikes and got the TKO. But he's got like some kind of submission run going on, and he went for the submission. And maybe he just feels more confident finishing that way. He thinks it's higher percentage, and it was super high percentage once that thing was locked on. I mean, it did not take long for Alan Jobin to, to tap out to that. But again, just like the Thatch fight, he set it up with his hands, which makes this more and more intriguing to watch Gunnar Nelson fights. Well, speaking of Gunnar Nelson, we caught up with another SBG, SBG teammate of his, Artem Lobov, and we will play that for you right now and get his thoughts on the fight and where Gunnar Nelson goes next. This interview is brought to you by Datsusara. Datsusara makes fight gear out of hemp. I roll every week in their fight shorts, made from hemp, super durable, antimicrobial. They're my favorite fight shorts that I own. I highly recommend you check them out. And if you're a gi guy or a gi gal, they make gis out of hemp with belts for those gis also out of hemp. Head on over to dsgear.com. Enter in promo code TOPTURTLE, all one word, not case sensitive, because that's how we roll. You're going to like the way Datsusara looks on you. I guarantee it. I need to stop using that for all our promo reads, but (laughs) I'm addicted to doing it. All right. That being said, Datsusara Hemp Gear brings you our interview with UFC fighter Artem Lobov. This is David Tremonti of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and I am speaking with Artem Lobov, who fights Cub Swanson at Ultimate Fight Night 108 in Nashville, Tennessee, on April 22nd. Artem, we'll kick right into it. Off the momentum of your two-fight win streak, you got booked in the main event against Cub Swanson. Was this a fight you were asking for? And if not, how did it come to be? Uh, yeah, well, to be honest, uh, first, I, kinda, I did a quick interview just... Uh, and in the interview, they asked me whether, you know, who would I like to fight next? And I just mentioned that Cobb had a very good fight with, uh, uh, Dohon Choi, I believe the name of the, the Korean guy was. Doho Choi, uh, yes. And I just, yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just said, you know, I would love to be involved in a fight like that. You know, it looked like a great fight. And it all kind of started off from there. Um, and then just, you know, I, I could kind of sense that, you know, Cobb was sort of biting. I was talking to him on Twitter a little bit. And I thought this actually might happen. So then I thought, okay, let me message Sean Shelby now and try and really secure this. So I just sent him a text saying, look, Sean, I know you probably think that, you know, Cobb would beat me, but please let me prove you wrong. 
and um, and then that was it. I got the fight. Wow! And and were you surprised that it ended up as the main event? Uh, yeah, I definitely didn't really expect main event. I, I was asking to have Cobb in, in London. Uh, I thought it would have made sense, you know, obviously, you know, there's uh, a lot of uh, Irish in London and a lot of Russians as well. So I thought, you know, it would be uh, a good opportunity for me to fight there and, you know, uh, in front of my uh, fans. So uh, that's why I asked for that one. But then, you know, the offer came to be main event in Nashville. And I was like, yeah, that, that sounds good to me as well. So I'll take that. Absolutely. Main event spot. Why not? Right. And so you mentioned that you saw the fight with Cub and Doohoo Choi, which everyone said, you know, crazy war, probably the fight of 2016. Although I, I think your buddy Conor McGregor might disagree and say his second fight with Nate Diaz was the fight of 2016. But nonetheless, Cub Swanson, Doohoo Choi was a crazy fight. Uh, what do you yeah. like about the what do you like about the matchup with Cub? What do you see that that you think uh, you can exploit? Yeah, well, I just think, you know, Cobb brings it, you know, he, and given the fact that he's going to be probably a heavy favorite going into the fight, he's not going to hold back. You know, he, he won't just be pushed around. When I try to pressure him, I know he's going to, he's going to, uh, fire right back and, and that's going to make for a great matchup. You know, at the end of the day, uh, to me, you know, I'm in the sport because I love fighting and I love being involved in crazy fights like that. So, so that, that's what appeals to me, uh, for this matchup. Very exciting. Now, you're 2-2 two and two in the UFC on a two-fight win streak. When you look back at the first two fights, the Ryan Hall uh, tough finale and the Alex White decision, both both decision losses, what do you look back on in those fights and think to yourself, you know, wh- what could I have done different? Or is it something you just you keep moving past and don't even think about at this point? No, you certainly, uh, you know, look at them and assess and see what mistakes you've made and, you know, what needs to be corrected and, uh, you know, with Ryan Hall, probably hard to kind of say what would I've done wrong. He's got such a like weird style that uh, it's kind of hard to deal with. And you know, I probably will never come across anyone with that sort of style. So um, uh, yeah, it's hard to say anything. But you know, Alex White, yeah, I guess was a really bad performance by me. But you know, you just you just you learn and you move 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 on with them. You know, that that's the way that's the way it works. You know, that's. Like in science, you know, if you ever talk to any scientist that uh, has never failed, you know, that that's impossible. You know, in science, if something doesn't work out, that just shows you what not to do. That just shows that that theory might might have been wrong, and you have to, you know, move past it and move on to the other things. And that's exactly what I've done. You know, I learned from those fights. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore. Learn those mistakes. Let's fix them and move on. And that's exactly what I've done. And like you said yourself, I'm on a two-fight winning streak now and uh, have the biggest fight of my life in front of me. Absolutely, yeah. And I think, you know, you, I, I I take it you take a lot of that thought uh, track from your coach, John Kavanaugh. I think he has a wonderful way of thinking about fighting. The whole team, really, it, you know, about kind of assessing mistakes and, and learning from them, right? Because his whole thing is you win or you learn. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, that, that's that's exactly that should have happened. Maybe with me, you know, it's been. Uh, you, you might have to release a second book about me and name it. <laughs> uh, learn, 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 and then win. But you know that 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 that's how you do it. You know, in life and and in, in fighting and in everything. I, I guess you know you if you make a mistake, you know you uh, you acknowledge it and you learn from it and then uh, you fix it and and you don't make that mistake again. Absolutely. Now, one of your teammates this past weekend, Gunnar Nelson, had just an amazing performance uh, against Alan Joban. Um, striking look crisp, ended up with a, a submission win, a guillotine choke. 
Uh, what do you think would be a good next fight for your teammate Gunnar Nelson as he moves up the ranks of welterweight? Yeah, that, that was an unbelievable performance by Gunny. You know, I, I never thought that you could knock somebody out, and in the time that it takes referee to run up there to stop the fight, you can also submit them. <laughs> uh, that was that was uh, some slick work by by Gunny. Uh, but sure, I I knew that he is well capable of this. You know, uh, well before, and I think the fact that he rocked him again, you know, that shows. Uh, how good Gunny striking is, you know. He done the same with Touch, you know. He rocked him first, and both of those guys are very considered very, very good strikers. And, and Gunny struck them, so that that shows you the level he is at. He's a future champion in that division, uh, and I have uh, no doubt about that. Now, if I'm honest, I do believe he is ready for Tyron Woodley right now, and, and he is the guy that would make Tyron work. You know the way, like everybody was complaining about Tyron's last fight against Wonder Boy that he didn't really go for it. You know, Wonder Boy maybe didn't really go for it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, well, if he, if he fought Gunny, you know, he would have to go for it. You know, Gunny is one of those guys that he he'll force you work, he'll force you to to exchange, he'll force you to do something. Uh, and, and if you don't respond, you know, you'll just end up either knocked out or, or submitted. So I feel that would make for a really great uh, matchup. But I've seen John Cavan, our coach, suggested Wonder Boy. You know, that would also make for an interesting one. But but I feel. Uh, you know, Gunny is ready for Tyron, but obviously I know Damien Maia is next in line, so perhaps Gunny could fight Wonder Boy in the meantime. Yeah, I, the Wonder Boy matchup is very intriguing, just from uh, you know both sort of the karate stance. I, I believe Gunner is better on the ground, um, which could pose an advantage for him. Very interesting styles fight, though, nonetheless. And I, I was hoping you would say Tyron Woodley because you tweeted uh, yesterday um, after Gunner's performance. You tweeted at Tyron, "Hey, hey, T Woodley, this is how you promote yourself." not by crying and moaning like a little bitch. Uh, where, did, where did that come from? Are you, uh, yeah, yeah. you just weren't happy with the way, I guess, Woodley's been promoting himself recently? No, yeah, because, you know, he's been, he's been moaning and bitching about, you know, UFC not promoting him, but like, he doesn't look at the fact. I, I mean, look, he was on the card with Conor McGregor in New York, which was the biggest card ever in the UFC. Mm-hmm. So they gave him the platform in the last, in the last uh, main event, he was in again. He's the main event guy on a pay-per-view card. They put a really nice matchup between uh, before his fight as a co-main, Khabib Nurmagomedov and Tony Ferguson. Obviously, that didn't happen, but still, that was attracting people to the card, you know. And so, so they're giving him every every platform that you know he needs, and it's up to him to put in those performances. You know, they they can't fight for him. They're shining the spotlight on him. They're putting him in the spotlight, but it's up to him to perform. And, and like, what else can they do for him? So he's all those things, the complaints that he has, they're, they're very unreasonable. And, you know, they're not based by facts. Then once he mentioned racism as well, and I'm like, come on, man, really, like, this is this is not the place for that. I mean, there have been many, you know, a uh, uh, guy like John Jones, for example, he's a huge star. You know what I mean? So why why is he not complaining about that? So Tyron Woodley has no grounds at all for his complaints. So I, I just I just kind of reminded him, and a lot of people you know kind of took offense to it and said to me, "Well, what have you achieved?" And whatever. Yeah, and yes, I will agree to that. Tyron has achieved a lot more than I have, but I, that talk wasn't about that. I just gave him advice, as in don't complain, just go out there and fight and do what Gunny did there. And if he had done that against Wonder Boy, 
he would have been a huge star as well. And then there is no need for anyone else to promote you. That's all. Understood. Understood. So I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't ask you about this. Obviously, the fight on everyone's mind is Conor versus McGregor. Even this past week, Dana White said he can't imagine it not happening, which was, you know, a a very big turn uh, in wording from what we've heard from him. What do you think? Give us some insight. You know, the boxing media very quick to say it's a joke of a contest that Conor doesn't stand a chance. But as someone who's probably shared, you know, the ring and and hit mitts with and um, sparred with Conor more than anyone, what do you think of that fight and Conor's chances? Yeah, I love that fight. Like uh, me and Conor have been talking about that fight for many years, even before he <clears throat> he became the interim champion at featherweight in uh, in, in the UFC. So it's definitely a matchup that appeals to me. And, you know, people, a lot of people, like I, I, I came out and I said that before that, you know, Conor um, yeah, would finish Mayweather within six. And I stand by that statement. And the reason I say this, you know, a lot of people say, no, but Mayweather is this and that. But the truth is a lot of people don't really understand fighting. Uh, or a lot of people can't even really uh, analyze somebody's style. Uh, you know, that's what hum- humans are good at comparing things. That's what, as humans, we do. We compare prices. You know, if I gave you a completely new object that nothing like this existed, it would be very hard for you to put a price on that. But if it was, let's say, another mobile phone or something, you would find it very easy to put a price on that because you would just look at other mobile phones and their prices. So the thing, what I'm trying to say, is that there has never been anyone like Connor. So it's hard for them to compare him to Mayweather. You know what I mean? It's, it's hard to say, well, he'll do this or that. Nobody knows how he's going to do uh, and, and the facts have shown that anybody that he has faced before in the stand-up, he absolutely destroyed. You know, Eddie Alvarez spoke a lot about Conor just having the left hand and how they have a lot of boxers like that in Boston, and he worked with some great boxers and everything, and, and look how he looked in his fight. He looked like he's never seen boxing in his life before. That's how Conor made him look. That's how good Conor is. So that's why I feel that, you know, Mayweather would be faced with the same problem. He, he thinks that, you know, he can he can do this to Conor, but he has never, ever in his life faced anyone like Conor. Uh, so I made much of Conor, and I truly believe he would shock the whole world. Very, very, very interesting. I, I, you know, I agree with a lot of what you're saying, especially because, I mean, there, there's undeniable, while we haven't seen Conor in a boxing ring, the bigger gloves, uh, maybe he would have to pace himself a little more, but one thing you cannot deny is Conor's power is out of this world exactly accuracy power i mean look at aldo the guy didn't lose in 10 years 10 years he was pound for pound number one and everybody was saying oh no way connor gets past this guy they never even like thought about he could defeat this guy in 13 seconds they they didn't even think he could defeat him at all look what he has done to him 13 seconds and some people might say lucky but why nobody got lucky in 10 years against aldo and he has face the best guys in the federal division and Connor comes in and does that in 13 seconds you know and nobody believed that that could happen also so you know I think people should start believing at this stage you know what what this man can do uh, so I, I'd love to see the matchup uh, I'd love to see that fight it, it would be huge for the sport and it would be a very very interesting matchup because for the first time in many years Connor would force Mayweather to fight to properly fight not one round for 12 rounds no decisions it would be a proper fight very well said. Artem, I cannot thank you enough for the time. Artem Lubov fights Cub Swanson at Ultimate Fight Night 108 in Nashville on April 22nd. It's the main event. He asked for the fight because he saw the Doohu Choi versus Cub Swanson fight and said he wanted a piece of that. Artem, thank you so much for the time and best of luck in this fight. 
Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right, there you have it, Gumby. Artem Lobov. You, you got to appreciate an interview where a guy just does not pull any punches. I love the shit he was saying about Tyrone Woodley. Whether or not you're a Tyrone, Tyrone Woodley fan or not, it's always really good to have the actual opinion of the fighter rather than like you know some fabricated crap he came up with. And and I really feel like you got that with Lobov. He's super honest. Yeah, he was very honest. And uh, I also like the way you broke down Connor versus Floyd. He would know better than anyone. Um, obviously, he's going to be a little skewed because he's Connor's boy, yeah, but yeah. he can give you the insight on, you know, no one has probably traded fists with Connor more in a lifetime than, than Artem. He's his main sparring partner. Yeah, and, and you don't ask him that question expecting him to tell you Floyd's going to no, win anyway. No. So, so you like go in knowing that. So it's nice that he like expounded on that. He, exactly. He and further, he, yeah. he gave up more, you know, answers than just, what do you mean? Connor's the best. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> so that all being said, I, I thought he was very uh, well-spoken and uh, wouldn't expect expect anything less from a John Kavanaugh product. Gotta love John Kavanaugh. Uh, so Gumby, as we were taping this, uh, one thing that came to light while uh, Bellator is making fights that would have been cool 10 years ago and headlining them <laughs> on pay-per-view, we have a fight that I think is pretty cool right now because it's the classic up-and-comer versus veteran, probably on his way out, who have very similar styles, uh, almost like a you know uh, student meets teacher type bout you have mark hunt fighting Derek lewis your thoughts oh it's so it, it, so you're right in a, a sense that they have very similar styles they like are big dudes who throw big punches but at the same time Derek lewis has got this like takedown game too where if he does get you down he's like suffocating and and mark hunt's takedown defense has never been all that stellar so it adds this other wrinkle like does Derek Lewis go in and try to throw bombs with Mark Hunt? Because he'll oblige him. Uh, it, it, it's a super interesting style matchup to me, and I, I guarantee it's going to be fireworks. So we'll talk about this as it comes close. It's UFC Fight Night 110. It takes place on Sunday, June 11th, and that's in Auckland, New Zealand, uh, and it'll be on FS1. Very interesting pairing, though, because I'm sure the UFC would love to see Derek Lewis beat Mark Hunt as someone Because it would give him a new and up-and-comer. Yeah. You know what this also brings up to me? As soon as I... I I saw that headline. I wondered, what are we doing with Francis Naganu now? He was in the crowd at London on Saturday, got a little FaceTime on the camera. I do wonder if it's uh, waiting for Kane. Uh, waiting for Kane or waiting for Overeem to get healthy? Because mm, I'd love him with Overeem. Yeah, either of those fights make me very happy. Well, this has been another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. I am David Tremonti. He is Daniel Gumby Vreeland. We'll be back next week, same time, same channel. Thank you so much for listening.